Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We start a brand new series today. I want, to wa- want you to watch this. It will set the stage for where we're going to go over the next few weeks. Please watch this. We believe in the overthrowing of darkness in high places over our country, lifting a banner of truth and love, opening eyes, giving sight to the blind, the miraculous. We've been given power and authority to overcome hate with love, fear with faith, depression with hope. The Prince of Peace, the Lord of Hosts, the Alpha and Omega stands at the gates of our city, calling out for the children to arise and possess their rightful place as sons and daughters of the Most High. We are not one, we are many. We are not weak, we are strong. We are not afraid, we are bold. Knowing His voice, standing in His purpose, giving our hearts and minds to answer His call, to proclaim His freedom, to announce His victory, to proclaim His glory to a world sick with immorality, poisoned with lies, confused, hurting, beaten, broken. We hold the keys to unlocking their prisons. United in love, we will shout down the walls of division. Hear the trumpets of mercy blow. A sound of many rushing waters flow as the marching of feet as into the ends of the earth we go as ambassadors of the king of kings we declare this is our city this is our nation we are the children of god his hands and his feet his heart and his feet jehovah our Hey! 
Well, he developed a stuttering problem from the time I watched it. I don't know what happened there, but that's all right. It, he basically says, he proclaims and makes a declaration that it's time to take our cities. Now, what I've determined out of, out of thinking about this series about cities is this. When I wished it would have played correctly because I think it would have stirred you because what I've discovered is this, is that uh, those kinds of uh, proclamations stir us and they inspire us and they awe us, but my question this morning is do they actually change us? See, most of us have a fond affection for our city for a variety of reasons. Uh, and I know the lights, we're having technical issues, so we lost them for some, for some reason. That's all right. Uh, there's a breaker back there. I guarantee we blew a breaker. Uh, it's in the right-hand fuse box. I know which one it is because I've blown it before. <laughs> so anyway, uh, most of us have fond affection for our city based on several reasons. For right now, for at least for our city, we have fond affection for our city because of our sports teams, at least until they choke. And then, then we're not so fond anymore. But, but no, not no, no, not the Lakers. Uh, although they choke too. But uh, it doesn't matter what season it is anymore. I used to think it was only during football season, but now during uh, basketball season, we go nuts, and we are fond of our city. We're fond of our city a lot of times because of the sea breaker, because of uh, the pace of of our city. Uh, I don't know if you've ever lived in another city, but the pace here is pretty comfortable. All you got to do is visit like California or New York City, and you will be thankful for the pace of this city. We are, we are thankful for our city because of the economic climate of our city because the reality is is everybody else is paying about five bucks a gallon and we're paying three-something. And everybody else, the economy hit them a lot sooner than it did us. And so we've been blessed. We are one of the most recession-proof economies of, around. And so we are thankful. I would say we're thankful for our city because of our climate, but that's probably, that's probably an over, overreaching just a little bit. But compared to some cities, I'm thankful for our climate. And so there are all all these reasons why we are thankful for our climate and so many of us have what we call civic pride we we are proud of the cities we live in we're proud of our communities but most of us no longer for whatever reason see our cities or perceive our city as our inheritance see when i was growing up i can remember when congregations would actually talk about taking their city for Christ. Uh, Y'all are not, this is going to get real tight right here for a few minutes before we move forward. I, I was involved in churches that would talk about, let's win our whole city to Jesus. And we would all, may, all, all amen and shout and get all excited and go knock on doors and do all that kind of stuff. But now, when you hear somebody talk about taking our city for Christ, a couple things happen. First of all, we think that they're naive. And so we patronize them as if they're misguided. Or what we think is really happening is because usually when a minister gets in the pulpit now, around the city now, and begins to talk about let's win our city for Christ, let's take our city for Christ, what we will think is that he is an individual that has, is an egomaniac that has a Messiah complex because we've seen that happen so often that really what they're interested in is building their own name and building their own brand and building their own kingdom that we think, well, they're just messed up in the head and and so we pass them off 
And what I came to tell you this morning proudly and boldly is this. I have a Messiah complex. And I want you to have a Messiah complex too. Because my Messiah complex is this. I know the Messiah and the people out there, their needs are complex. And they need the Messiah in their life. And that is the message that we must take to this city if we are going to accomplish the will and purpose of God for this congregation. And so I am convinced that most of us, even to some degree, this body, and it worries me a little bit, is that we have failed to conceive the fact that God is giving us our city. It's our inheritance. I'm convinced that most of us fail to ever get that into our heart and fail to really get a heart for our city because we have allowed Jesus to have so little real impact in our own personal life that what we do is we come to church week after week asking him to give us our fix like a drug addict and we never stop to believe that outside of our own needs and outside of our own hurts and outside of our own issues that God has a plan for us corporately to impact the entire metro area with his grace and with his kingdom we are so self-consumed and so self-concerned that we can't see past us and so church becomes about what I can get out of it I want to encourage you to quit coming to church to find out what you can get out of it the Bible says that when we gather together in his in his name he's here he can't be here without you getting something but that cannot be your intent that cannot be your focus that cannot be your purpose the focus must be what can I give how can I take what God is doing in my life and allow it to come outside of these four walls and impact the world around me? See, I want you to come and encounter God every week. That's why we have the three E's, encounter, equip, engage. I want you to get your hands up and God to show up, and I want you to have goosebumps, and I want you to get the glory of God in your life, and I want you to get what's wrong with you fixed. But listen to me this morning. I want you to take it beyond that. I want you to understand how do we get what happens in here out of here so that it impacts the Oklahoma City and the metro around us? How does that happen? See, I, I think that I want to throw down a gauntlet, gauntlet this morning and over the next few weeks and draw a line in the sand and declare that self-centered, selfish thinking must come to an end and we must see beyond ourselves. I'm not really worried anymore whether you think you had good church on Sunday. I think you will because I think we've got great praise and worship and I hear the word go out of here weekly and people's needs are being met. But I am determined that it go beyond just that. And So I throw the gauntlet down this morning and tell you that we have settled for less than what God would have for us. The Bible says that Jesus wept over an entire city and said that he longed to embrace the entire city. So if Jesus had a heart for an entire city, why are we satisfied with two apartment complexes? Why are we patting ourselves on the back and saying we've done all that we need to do and we serve a few hot dogs every summer, which I'm thankful for because if you connect the dots, we've actually had people over the last three or four months get saved because of hot dogs that we served in the apartment complexes. But I'm tired of patting ourselves on the back as if we're doing everything that we can be doing because we're having impact in two apartment complexes when God says, ask me for the nations. And we won't even ask him for our city. We are comfortable 
people with one community when God is saying, look, I'm bigger than that. You're bigger than that. I'm better than that. You're better than that. Get outside the four walls and don't become comfortable with just the apartments behind you. Impact an entire city. That's what he's calling us to. So we've got to change how we think. We've got to change what we do. So my declaration to you this morning is this. This is not about our strength. This is not about our resources. This is not about our giftedness. This is not about our abilities. This is not about our name. This is about Him and His heart for the people in our cities. And so we've got to change our minds. So over the next few weeks, we are going to begin talking about the fact that we must reach our city, but I want to switch it on you a little bit and say it like this. Not only must we reach our city, we must become our city. That's weird. What does that mean? I'm going to try to explain it to you. I'm going to work backwards in this series. I'm going to start with the what, and then I'm going to go to the why, and then I'm going to finish with the who. That's normally backwards. You normally start with the who and then tell why and then the what. We're going to do it backwards this morning. I want you to join me in Numbers chapter 35. We're going to read three verses of Scripture there, verses 10, 11, and 12, and then we're going to go into Joshua. Listen, what I'm getting ready to share with you is... We, we are crossing this morning a point of departure that will make or break us. That will determine our destiny and our future from now on. Are you listening? Listen carefully. Numbers chapter 35, verse 10. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, Select some towns to be your cities of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. They will be places of refuge from the avenger, so that anyone accused of murder may not die before they stand trial before the assembly. Joshua chapter 20. Then the Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses. So that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. And when they flee to one of these cities, they are to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state their case before the elders of that city. Then the, el- then the elders are to admit the fugitive into their city and provide a place to live among them. If the avenger of blood comes in pursuit, the elders must not surrender the fug- fugitive. We'll come to back to that in a couple weeks. Because the fugitive killed their neighbor unintentionally and without malice or forethought. They are to stay in that city until they stood, have stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who was serving at that time. Then they may go back to their home in the town from which they fled. And so they set apart Kadesh and Galilee in the hill country of the Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kirath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. East of the Jordan, on the other side from Jericho to Jericho, they designated Bezer in the wilderness on the plateau in the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth and Gilead in the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. Any of the Israelites or any foreign residing among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of blood prior to standing trial. 
before the assembly. To understand what's going on here, you must understand that Israel is a fledgling nation. They do not have established all the laws and systems of acting out those laws to, to govern their new nation. In fact, when you begin to understand the context, you understand that all they actually had to go on was the five books that we call the Pentateuch. And in that was the law, the law of God. Moses has received the Ten Commandments and then he's also been instructed on how they are to act out these laws and to carry on these laws. But you will also remember that in the Old Testament, at least during this period of time, there was no police force. There were no judges set up that with courtrooms where they could go and plead their case. And so the law that ruled the land was called the law of retribution, which meant this. It's the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. There are days I wish we could go back to that law uh, if I got to pick the days. But most of the days I wouldn't want to go back to that law because that would come back on us too. But that's the law that they operated on. So therefore, if you did me wrong, I legally had the right to do back to you what you did to me. See, some of y'all like that law too on certain days. I could punish you the same way that you hurt me. Now, that also meant that if I killed one of your family members by accident, I don't know how that happens, but I, I thought of some scenarios like if I went hunting and I'm shooting at a deer and it's kind of dark and I didn't make sure what I was actually shooting at and I fired my bow and I hit one of your neighbor, one of your family members by accident and they died, then legally one of your family members had the right to hunt you down and kill you. That's that avenger of blood that was talked about in what I read to you. That, that was the legal system. So there was no means of grace. There was no means of, of escape. And so God understood the flaw of that plan and he spoke through Moses and spoke to, through Joshua and said, here's what we're going to do. Because I recognize that that law was too tough and because I recognize there's no grace in that, what I want you to do is I want you to establish six cities called the cities of refuge and therefore what happens is if you accidentally kill someone, then you may flee to that city and find safe haven. And... You were guaranteed protection. In fact, you were supposed to stay in that city until the day that the high priest who was serving while you were running for your life died. The cities were spaced evenly throughout the country, throughout the land, so that they were reachable from any position in the country, in the kingdom of Israel, in the nation of Israel, from any location, geographical location, you could make yourself a way to get to one of those cities in one day's journey. Just remember all that because what I want to say to you this morning is what we must become is what I've just read to you. We must become cities of refuge. Let me, let me try to explain to you some things about these cities, the what. Let me tell you, number one, they were prominent. These cities were, were, were prominent on the landscape of that kingdom. 
you need to understand that these six cities were built on the top of mountains so that you could see them from a great distance. Most of the cities of ancient Israel were built on white limestone so that when the sun hit those cities, they would gleam and they would be obvious. In fact, at night, when the moon would rise, you would be able to see the reflection off the limestone of those cities so that you could see them from a great distance. They were prominently stationed so that you could see them. I would declare to you this morning that we must make the city prominent. We must make the city easy to spot. Let me ask you some very harsh and hard questions this morning that I need you to answer honestly and transparently in your life. And as a corporate body, we must wrestle with these questions and come to conclusions. If Jesus and passion are not prominent in your life, how do you expect that what you are experiencing will ever speak to those around you? If you do not make your relationship with Christ and your relationship with this church prominent in your life, how will they ever know that we're here when they need to run for their lives? How can you make this place prominent? How would anybody that you are in relationship with know that they can run to us if you aren't promoting us to them? See, if, if passion is an afterthought, and it's just what you do on Sundays because this is what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to go to church. Good boy, good Christian, good little Christian and it doesn't become prominent in your life, then please tell me how anybody around you at your job, how anybody around you at your school, how anybody around you in your community and in this city will ever know that this place exists so that they can come and find the same safe place that you found. Some of y'all ain't liking this. and You're saying, well, I got a life out of church. Well, good, I do too. The difference is, is that I've, re- I've come to the place where I've come to grips with the fact that where I attend church and the fact that I attend church and the pa- fact that I'm a part of this church has to intersect with my other life. And if it doesn't intersect with the rest of my life, then it's not real and it's just a club and it's just a click and you're just passing time and you probably ought to stop coming because we can give your seat to somebody else, although we do seem to have enough, enough We must come to the place where what we do together, when we come together to worship God, where we come together to seek His face, where we come together to break open His Word, where we come together to love on one another and build relationship with one another, becomes so prominent in our life that we refuse to let one day go by without telling somebody there's a safe place that you can run to in the time of your need and we will openly embrace you and make room for you. We must make this place prominent. See, I, I'm, let me just get right down to where we live. If, if you're not passionate about Jesus, and if you're not passionate about passion, then why would anybody follow you here? See, this is more than about advertisement. See, 
let me just put it this way. We cannot compete with all the images. We cannot p- compete with all the noise. We cannot compete with all the, the, the advertisement and the voices that are crying for people's attention and heart. But let me put it like this. You are our best billboard. You are our best car sticker. By the way that you live your life, if you would become passionate and crazy for Jesus and crazy for the people that you're hanging around with in this body and this place became prominent in your life, I will rest on that advertisement long before I will ever rest on a billboard because you are our best advertisement. You've got to come to the place where the relationships that you've established in this church are paramount in your life. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. You have got to come to this place where the relationships that you are establishing here are paramount in your life. If there's nobody in this church yet that you can call at 3 o'clock in the morning when your life is falling apart, then I would say to you that it's time to get busy because apparently this city of refuge is not positioned prominently in your life or you would find somebody here that you can count on. See, see, y'all don't like this. Some of y'all don't like this because this this does away with just, I'm just going to be a nominal attender. I'm just going to show up and leave. That's all I'm going to do. This is not this is not your mama's church. This is not the church you grew up in. I'm calling you to a different level of church attendance. Well, I don't even know. Hey, I am not even talking about getting attendance pins and awards. I'm talking about you buying into the fact that we are called to be family and when we connect as family that becomes prominent in our life and because it's so prominent everywhere we go we tell people about Jesus, we tell people about our church and then we lead them to this place in their time of need. The second thing I would say to you is this, they were prepared. There were certain preparations that they made in and around these cities that guaranteed that people could find them and that once they got there, they would find safety and they would find refuge. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 3, it says it like this, Thou shalt prepare a way that every slayer may flee thither. Prepare the way. Let me tell you some of the ways they would prepare. The Jewish writers say that it was a law in Israel that one day every year there were persons sent out to repair the roads leading to the cities of refuge. They would go out and they would remove all the stumbling blocks and all the stumbling stones and they would clear the path to make sure that when people would run for the cities of refuge they could get there easily. They were also required by law to go out into the roadways and at every corner leading up to that city, every time there was a corner, they were required to stick a signpost in the ground and very clearly and legibly it had to have the word on it, Miklak, which meant refuge. So it was signposts that pointed the way. Get get there. This is the way you need to go and you'll be safe. Run this way and you'll be safe. And they cleared everything out of the way. You discover that they made sure that the path was wide for people. In the Mishnah, Mishnah Torah, it states that they would widen these roads to five feet wide to make sure that there was nothing in their way and they could run easily into the city. The roads were never clogged. The gates were never closed. Another thing that happened is the Old Testament says it like this. The the word that I read to you has been translated appointed, but the, the original text says it like this. 
they sanctified the cities. So let me say some things to you this morning. We must prepare for fugitives. <laughs> this one's not going to be fun. See, I, I've got a body of folks that I, I am so thankful. You guys will reach out to anybody. I'm thankful for that. We've proven that. People that look like us, people that don't. People that smell like us, people that don't. People that behave like us, people that I'm glad you'll reach out to them. But I am telling you that now comes the day when we must make preparation for them and understand that if we're doing our job appropriately, not only will we reach out to them, we will lead them to this place. And we won't just love them on their territory. They will feel comfortable and loved on our territory. And we will make room for them. That is more than about chairs. That is about making room for them. This is going to fly back. In our lives. Well, I fed them hot dogs. I hid some eggs for them. Throw yourself a little party. That is only the gateway. We are talking about making room for people in our lives so that when they run to us, they don't just come looking for a hot dog. They come looking for somebody to please guard me, protect me, love me. That means whether they've been Christians all their little lives or they're coming right out of the crack house. We open our arms and say, come on in. We will love you into relationship whether we like what you're doing or not. The only problem with that, that's difficult. That means you can't have cliques. That means you can't sit by the same folks you always sit by. And that means you can't ball up in little balls out there in the lobby and refuse to talk to anybody but the person that you have something in common with. That means you've got to open up and make room in your heart and in your life for people that are going to come out of the woodworks that are suddenly going to recognize because we've made this place prominent, now it is prepared, and when they walk in, we are going to be prepared with prayer, and we're going to be walk prepared with counseling, and we're going to be prepared with love, and we're going to be prepared with faith because most of them aren't going to have any, and we're going to be prepared with signs, and we're going to lay hands on them, and they're going to get well, and we're going to lay hands on them, and the addictions are going to be broken. We're going to lay hands on them, and marriages are going to be restored. If we are prepared for them when they get here, we will have something to offer them. And it says that they were sanctified. That means that, oh, here it comes. It's going to get really fun right now. That means that we in our lives have to live our lives at such a different level that when they get here, they don't find people that are just as jacked up as they are playing church. That means that we begin to live holy lives, that we begin to set our lives apart so that when they walk in, they find people that dealt with what they dealt with and struggled with what, you notice the past tense, struggled with what they struggled with, but now they find people that are set free and delivered and they go, how in God's green earth can I get what you got? Because if you can't give them, why would they want to come here Is it, if you're still bound by the same things they're bound by. If your marriage is as jacked up as their marriage, why would they want to come here and find out how to fix their marriage? If you're as addicted as they're addicted, 
come on, y'all, we got to get sanctified. The day that, listen, if you're struggling financially and you don't know how to live on a budget, we need to teach you how to live on budget so when they get here and they don't know how, you can pull them to the side. Let me teach you what I learned because it changed. Listen, we got to get to where we have something to offer them. We must prepare. I want to say it like this to you. Everything about us must scream refuge. Everything about us must scream refuge. If you can just get to us, we can lead you to Jesus. If you can just get in our in our environment. Now, I'm talking about inside these four walls. If you can just get around us, we can lead you to safety. That's why I also want to say to you this morning is that we must continue to pray for and believe for and talk to our movers. I refuse to give them up. They are our inheritance. We've had 93 saved in a little over a year, but do you recognize that only represents 10 of your lists? We must prepare for them. Let me ask you like this. What preparations do you need to make to prepare the way for folks? How could your life become a signpost for them to follow you to Jesus and to passion? See, some of you need to check your sign. I want to give some folks some signs, but uh, some of you just need to check your sign. Because your sign is confusing them about which way to go. Your sign is not clearly marked. This is the path. This is the way you can come, and it will lead you to safety because your life is so consumed by so many different things that they can't read clearly. I can get you to Jesus. You need to check your sign. How can you get them to a safe place? I believe that many of our roads are so clogged with so many good things, busy things, selfish things, that people aren't clear to get here. What stands in the way of folks running to us? Come on, now listen, I've been battling this all for over a month. And I'm ready to give it to you so I can quit battling with it. What's stopping people from being here? We've got plenty of room. So what is stopping people from being in this safe place? Is it the building? Or is it us? I would vote for the building, except I've been in buildings that were much uglier on the outside than this. And it was full. See, I knew it was going to get quiet. That's all right. I need you to go home and struggle with some of this stuff. Because it's not enough for you to find the safe place. It's not enough for your family to be in the ark and nobody else and everybody else die and go to hell. It's not enough for you to have a good Sunday experience and go, oh, this was good today. But nobody else that you even know knows anything about what it was done today. Nobody at work hears about it. Nobody at school hears about it. Nobody in your neighborhood knows about it. Because you patted yourself on the back and said, that's enough. No, it's not. As long as there's room, and when there's not, we'll make more room. As long as there's breath, our inheritance is the city. The last thing I would say to you is this. They were prominent. They were prepared. They were positioned. These cities were not only prominent, they were easily accessible, and they were easy to find. 
God provided six cities of refuge. There were three on the east side of Jordan and three on the west side of Jordan. They were placed so that you could reach any one of those locations in one day's journey. So what it means is that they were not only geographically accessible, they were available, according to Scripture, to everybody, no matter who they were, son or stranger. That speaks to who we're willing to accept into this body. We will accept anybody into this body and we will love them into a relationship with God. We will position ourselves appropriately so that we are a grace-filled body. We will still call sin, sin. And we will still call abomination an abomination. But at the same time, we hate the sin, we love the sinner, and we make room for them in our body. So we must become appropriately positioned. We must be easily accessible. We must open up avenues from all over the metro, not just, I know some of y'all drive a little bit. I, the Scammerhorns stinking drive from Kingfisher. That's a little bit, I promise. Drive that one day. I'm thankful they drive that far. For some of you, it's convenient. It's not that far. Others of you drive from Southside. Some of you drive from Edmond. Some of you drive from all, I don't even know where some of you drive from. But what I am saying is that what God is calling us to do is become easily accessible. That's why we do the Internet. Not to give you an excuse to stay home and watch, which some of you kind of like. No, we do that to make accessible. So what I'm doing is I'm calling you to a new attitude or to just reaffirm our attitude, which is that we will make room we will become accessible. We are willing to be stretched. We must love our city, but we must also become the city. Now we're going to get really practical here. Two months ago, about two months ago, I attended a training session in Dallas. Uh, doesn't matter who was the speaker. I don't know that most of you know him. He's a well-known uh, research professional that studies churches and particular missional churches, those that are on mission. He did his thing. It, Brother Chris Thompson was in charge of that meeting. I didn't know this going in. I still don't even know who the guy was. Bishop Thompson brought in uh, a pastor, I think, from Hawaii. Is that where he was from? I don't know. Some guy from Hawaii for the sole purpose of being there during prayer time. I don't think he had any other responsibilities. I've never met him, don't know who he is. If he walked in right now, I probably wouldn't even recognize him. I got no clue. He was brought there so that on the last day that as the EBUSA team began to pray, they would he would join them in prayer. God uses him apparently prophetically. I didn't know him from Adam. As far as I know, he didn't know me from Adam. I played typical little church folk because I've seen all that all my life, and I'm not skeptical. I just kind of hung at the back. <laughs> Because some reason, I don't know what it is, I got this big target on me. Every time I ever go into this serv services where guys are operating the prophetic, boom, they point me out. I don't know if it's, I got this sign over me or what, but I was standing in the back, and he called me up, and he began to speak over my life. Brandon was there. He heard this. Well, I'm going to play you this word, and when I play you this word, some of y'all are going to think he's talking about me, but as I begin to pray through this word, I want you to understand that what I've come to grips with is it wasn't about me. It was about us. And I believe it's a word from the Lord and it's going to direct our future as I'm getting ready to tell you in just a moment. Aaron, would you play that? I pray this works. Y'all are just going to have to hear a paraphrase. Oh, 
Father, you've not only called him to be a man of passion. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You've called him to be a man of presence. Mm. 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 Father, as I look back there at him, Lord, you, you told me several things. Father, you said that there are a lot of voices trying to speak into his ear about how to do what you put in his heart. Oh, God. Oh, but, Father, you, <laughs> Father, you're going to silence his ears to be able to hear yes. your voice. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There are those that are trying to steal the passion and take your presence. Thank you, Father. But I thank you, Lord, that your presence... And his passion will not be separated. Mm. I hear the Lord saying, I'm turning your 10-year plan into a 5-year plan. Mm. Mm. And I'm turning your 5-year plan into a 3-year plan. Mm. And what you're getting ready to see God do within you, you need to begin to look for another place. Thank you. Don't say when we fill this up or when we have maximized mm. where we are, then we will look. Or you'll not be able to get things quick enough that I won't fill it up. Praise God. Because God has not just called you to a people group, but God has called you to pastor a city. And you've known that in your heart, and you've been like David. You said, I won't touch Saul. I won't touch him. You've had opportunities to, to touch Saul. And the Lord says, you won't touch the anointing, and that's good. Stay that way. Keep that within your heart. As others have encouraged you and have come uh, uh, around you and said, do this or do that or take this or take that, you've known that it wasn't your time, even though some of those things were anointed as yours. And the Lord says, I'm going to bring it into your life in the season that I've ordained it for you. But others are in other places to learn other things that when they do come to you, they can be a blessing and not a hindrance. Yes, yes, yes. And there's a great gathering of leadership that God's going to begin to bring around you to help hold your hands up in what God's called you to do. Because you said, Lord, give me my city. And God has heard your prayer. Actually, it wasn't even your prayer. It was him praying through you because that's been his desire. And the Lord says there's a recapturing of his dream within you because others have come and tried to make their dreams live through you others have come and they've said uh, I am this or I am that and you have felt obligated because of the pastoral anointing upon your life to at times uh, uh, pamper that and, 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 and cuddle that to make them feel okay but the Lord says I am going to begin to override that, that pastoral anointing is going to become a secondary anointing in your life. Right. There's an apostolic anointing that's beginning to stir within your life that God's calling you to step into more of a boldness and an assurance mm-hmm. and a governmental anointing. That you're not going to be one who herds the sheep, but you're going to be one who governs the land. There's shepherds that God's going to begin to bring around you to help you shepherd the sheep as you begin to release the order of God within the land. And God said, yes, I have called you to the city, and I am giving you the city, but not only the city in proper, but the city in metro I am giving you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that I see across him a bag. And in that bag is full of seed. And you've called him to be the sower of the seed in the city. And there are going to be many places full of your, of your passion, Father. Many places full of your presence. Mm. Father, I thank you for the invasion of your presence. 
I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say, don't be afraid to release the miracles. Don't be afraid to release signs and wonders. Don't be afraid to release the prophetic because the way others have built, I've not called you to build. I've called you to be a man of signs and wonders and miracles. So, Father, we release this within his life. Yes, Father. Yes, Lord. Use him, strengthen him. Father, give him rest. Yes, Father. Give him that pulling away time that he needs, Lord God. But, Lord, it's your church, and you've put him there to steward it. But, Father, I thank you, Lord, that there's a pulling away, Father, for rest, even for his family. They need rest. So, Lord, let leadership and let the church see their, their leader, their shepherd needs rest. And, Lord, I thank you that there's coming a season of rest. And the Lord says this thing's going to begin to multiply and roll so fastly that you have to schedule in your schedule family time and rest yes, time. Father. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Family yes, time Father. and rest time for you to be able to stay strong in what he's called you to do in that city. Yes, for Father. your city will be saved. Yes, and I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot in there for me. But there's a whole lot in there for us. Because this is what I know. I can't be the only one released in signs. Or I'll go the path of all the other jokers that have been released in signs have been in. And it'll become about me. It's got to become, I can't reach everybody in this city. But we can. We must become a people that are released in signs and find our place. So let me tell you the story. He had no clue what was going on. Let me back up. I'm going to try to do this quickly. I've got to hurry. It has been in our DNA from the very beginning that we would be bigger than what we are now. In fact, one of the first questions I ever asked our plant team, y'all remember this, I had them write down and turn in how big they thought we would be one day. Interesting. Very interesting. Some of them have bigger visions than, than I do, which is why they were around me. But we've been locked down in this place Size-wise, I understand there are some laws in, in operation here that are tough to break. The 70% rule, you can't grow past 70% of your parking lot capacity or your chair capacity, your lobby capacity, because people, we like room. So when did Debbie start her church? Two years ago? About two years, two, two and a half years ago. Woody's aunt, Debbie, some of you know her, decided to plant a church in Kingfisher. I've had a networking heart. From the very beginning, two and a half years ago, about two years, two and a half years ago, Julie and I, Woody and Jesse, went, went and sat down with Debbie in Kingfisher. Actually, we met in, no, it was in Kingfisher. We met over there and said, if you're going to start this church, you're starting from scratch, let us help you. We'll provide you logos. We'll provide you youth ministry. We'll provide you, we'll help you with music. Go back to talk to your leadership team. We would love to help you. She went back to, to her, talk to her leadership team. They decided to go a different direction. We said, fine, that's your decision. It's your church. We just want to be a be a blessing. So I said, okay, God, you close that door. Now what? Um, Woody and I, when was this? Last year? Probably summer. Fall. Fall. We went and got in my truck and drove to Piedmont and spent a whole afternoon driving around Piedmont going, okay, is this building open? Is that building open? Could we start a church here? How can we do this? And what we realized is that the only building open was right on the same street as four other church plants. Piedmont's not that big, y'all. Uh, <coughs> I believe Piedmont's ours too, but we'll get there one of these days. But we felt like God was saying it wasn't time. I think the problem was we were looking too far away. Um, 
about February, I'm getting ready one Sunday morning. I get up real early on Sunday morning. I'm here before anybody else. But I was getting ready to walk out of my house. It was 722. No, it wasn't even that late because I would already been gone. It was 7-something. And my phone rang. And a pastor from Newcastle that you know, Danny Ray, who spoke here when we did our Switch series, called me and said, I heard God, God woke me up this morning and told me to tell you to look at Bethany. And I said, you're nuts. I said, I ain't doing that. I'll talk to you later. He said, I'm telling you it was God. And I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> About a week later, was it a week later, I think, Woody called me on the phone and said, have you considered Bethany? And I said, nope, <laughs> haven't. What y'all don't know is we actually tried to plant in Bethany. There was a building right across the street from Southwestern Christian University that we tried to get, and the owner wouldn't talk to us. And lo and behold, over the course of the last three months, I'm here to tell you this morning that we are planning a new church. It's, it's an existing church, but we're relaunching it. On September the 11th of this year, we will have two campuses. We will be one congregation with two campuses. It is going to stretch us beyond imagination. We can't afford to do it. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to we're going to sow quality people from this body into that body to help, to partner with the, the congregation that is meeting there now. And we're going to see Bethany overtaken as part of this prophetic word. We are going to see that what's happening is God is giving us cities of refuge strategically positioned so that people can get to us easily. Now, I know what happens. Most of you, when I start talking about campuses, start thinking buildings. There is a building, but that's not what I'm excited about. I'm excited about people. And so this morning, we are blessed. Danny and Esther just left. They're headed to Bethany to make the announcement there. We did a switch. We asked Stuart and Vicki Prince. Come on, guys. They are from the Bethany location. Uh, it's formerly known as Believers. It's 3100 North Council. So it's eight minutes from here, and these are some of the quality folks that are attending there now who are, I think they're excited, I believe they're very excited about becoming part of the Passion family. They're in leadership over there, and we are embracing them. These are your family members, and I am excited this morning. <laughs> God has been behind the scenes and has knit our, in fact, they're, they're going to the retreat and about three other couples going to the retreat. God has been knitting our hearts together. And so uh, this is going to create change. I understand that change is not comfortable. Change is never comfortable. But I am also convinced that God is not really concerned about our comfort zone. So this is going to require some change on your part. Uh, once fall rolls around, it's going to certainly require change on my part. Um, we're going to, I'll get specific with you later, but it's going to adjust some service times a little bit. I'm going to be preaching myself silly, preaching three times every Sunday morning, most, most Sundays. Y'all pray that <clears throat> the police are blind because I'll have a very limited amount of time to get from here to there. But I believe that what God is going to do is revival is going to erupt and both campuses are going to explode and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to be so real. You guys want to say anything? Absolutely thrilled with this opportunity.
So we really look forward to everything that we're all going to do together. Yeah, I'm excited. So we're going to set up a leadership team there, uh, some leadership there, leadership here. To and God has just been preparing us. Now, let me tell you what that means for you. If you've been riding a chair, that day is over. It's got to be. We cannot do this with the present. Um, we're blessed. In the size of church we have, we have 90 folks that serve. <clears throat> that leaves about 90 that are doing nothing or 110 doing nothing or 100. I could get 120 doing nothing. I understand you have life outside of church, but God has called us to be a city of refuge. It takes every one of you. If you're doing nothing, we need you to usher. We need you to greet. We need you to run sound. We need you to work in children. We need you to ride vans. We need you to do everything that we can do to cause this invasion of passion in the metro. This is just the start. Did you hear me? This is just the start. I believe there are other campuses. I believe there's a different campus for us. I we're still looking. But this is what God has brought to us at this season. I want you to get to know Vicki and Stuart, and we're going to give you an opportunity in June. It's called June Junction. Um, we got a really neat series coming in June that I think will be one of the most unique series you've ever heard, but it's going to free me up. I'm going to be over there every Sunday in June, but we're all going to eat together afterwards. We've picked four restaurants, and we're just after church every Sunday, we're just going to go take over the place, and you will get to meet your family members, and we'll get to know one another. Amen. Father. You've called us. We accept your challenge. This is a scary thought. The logistics are unbelievable. The cost is high. The investment is staggering. But you're God, and this is what you've called us to, and I refuse to just play church and try to build my kingdom and to build this location so we can pat ourselves on the back and say we've, we've accomplished and achieved. No, God, you've given us our city. We pray, we accept that. We call for the city, the metro area, whatever all that entails, Mustang, Yukon, Bridge Creek, Piedmont, Kingfisher, Okarchi, Edmond, Deer Creek, whatever it is, I pray. Holy Spirit, give us strategies. Give us the people necessary and release Every person that calls passion their home, I pray you would release them in signs and wonders. I pray that you would release them in their witnessing capabilities. I pray that you would cause passion and your son Jesus, in fact, let me switch the order, your son Jesus and then passion to become so prominently positioned in their life that they would begin to tell everybody they know about what you're doing and inviting them to be a part. Father, this is your church. These are your folks. Challenge us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want you to stand with me. Thank you, guys. Are you ready for some change? Okay, six of you. Good. The rest of you are going to be uncomfortable for a few months. I understand that some of you are early adopters, and this excites you. Some of you are late adopters, and some of you, well, some of you just aren't going to understand why we would even do this. You wrestle that one out with God. Because I have. Because I tried to resist. 
because I understand the workload that's involved in what we're getting ready to do. But this is what I know. This is our mandate. This is what God has called us to do. I'm thankful for the 200 some odd that come here depending on what Sunday it is. Yeah. But I just don't believe that's it. And not, I used to say I'm not about numbers until I heard a couple pastors recently say, yeah, we're about numbers. You better believe we're about numbers. Because every person is represented in that number. There are souls represented and we need to reach them. I am calling you to make what God is doing in this house and in your life so prominent that people will chase you down to find out what you've got going on. Father, I bless my folks today. I pray that as they wrestle through what I've announced this morning, that you would give them the mind of Christ. And I pray that you would show them their part in this. This is not about me. This is about the fact that you've called every one of us to make your name famous and to make your name known and to make avenues available for people to get to you. I pray that you would position each person under the sound of my voice appropriately and properly. God, I pray for the ones that are standing here today that are doing nothing in your kingdom. I pray that in Jesus' name right now you would shake them out of their apathy and they would become engaged and involved, not so that we can count them as a volunteer, but so that you can count them as a servant in your kingdom and as they serve they will encounter you in greater ways I pray you do that give us souls for our labors we pray in Jesus name and everybody said amen God bless you thank you for being here love on one another and then you're free to go Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.